Phase World Podcast helps independent creators live their creative and financial freedom. I'm your host, Fei Wu, and I'll be taking you through a series of interviews with creators from around the world who are living life on their own terms. Each episode is packed with tactics, nuggets you can implement, origin stories to make listening productive and enjoyable. We're not only focused on the more aspirational stories, but relatable ones as well. We also have non-interview-based mini-series releasing throughout the year to help deep dive into topics such as freelancing, marketing, even indie filmmaking that will benefit creators like you. Show notes, links, and ways to connect with the guests are available on phaseworld.com. Now, on to the show. Hi, this is Fei Wu from Phase World Media. Today, I'm here with Denise Woods. I so look forward to this live stream. And thank you so much for taking the next hour, 45 minutes with us. And please know that you can ask questions across all the channels we're going live on right now, including my YouTube channel, uh, Twitter, my Facebook page, and what else? And LinkedIn, out of all places. And um, I'm just really thrilled. And I want to just quickly thank today's sponsor, Restream. It's a tool that we're currently using and you can go live on more than 30 plus channels outside of the US as well, uh, literally live worldwide. So definitely check them out. Um, so with that said, Denise, welcome to Face World. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. Oh, Denise, you, we connected because of your new book, which I'm going to pop up in a second, but I just want to do this crazy, I mean, I feel like Denise's backstory is just incredible. Mm -hmm. So, oh my goodness, you are the voice behind the voice of a stellar array of actors from the last 20 years, guys. And she's currently coaching the Netflix uh, feature film, The Harder They Fall, starring Idris Elba and as a creative consultant for Halle Berry's directorial debut of the film, Bruce. And you also contributed to the authenticity of Barry's performance um, in her leading role. And I mean, literally the list goes on and on. And I am intrigued by your origin story. Growing up in mm. New York City, East Village, I believe you grew up in the project. You became a Miss um, you know, Black Teenage America, 1972, uh, and a whole new world. You're constantly in this kind of you're colliding in all these worlds together. So your story to me is not just a book, not just the fame, what you're currently known for, but also, you know, kind of what brought you here, what made made you the woman you are today. So, so much to break down right now. Let's first talk about the book. Let's ready? get started. I'm ready. Oh my goodness. Let's Let's show the book real quick. I mean, it just writing this book right here. I'm glad it's not covering our, our faces just yet. But my goodness, I mean, writing a book in the pandemic, not to mention you're also and just working on all these films. My goodness. How, why, why write a book like this? Why take so much time away from your freedom? <laughs> Excellent question. Excellent yeah. question to begin the interview because um, I felt that I had to bring what my gifts are to Hollywood. I had to bring it to the masses. And I really felt that it especially come to fruition when I saw uh, uh, Trayvon Martin's parents in an interview when that young man was murdered. It hit me. I was watching the evening news like everybody else. And as a mother of an African-American son, my heart just went out to those people. And to all of the people, the parents, the families that have lost loved ones from gun violence, from police brutality, from, from being marginalized, my heart just simply went out. And I thought, these people are sitting there at the most crucial time in their lives, the most emotionally distraught, possibly time of their life, and they have a microphone thrust in front of their faces. And so what do you say? How do you say it? How do you use the platform now that you're thrust into being a spokesperson for social justice? How do you use that platform efficiently and, and allow your pain and your, your authenticity to show through? That's when I said, I got to take the work from Hollywood and bring it to the masses because I really want to help 
educate and inform just everyday people how to effectively use their voices. Mm -hmm. Mm. So lovely said. And, you know, I feel like as an immigrant, my background as um, an immigrant person, for me to find my voice, my native language, I got to admit it was a bit of a struggle. Uh, that's something for us to break through as, uh, you know, especially women growing up, you know, you're trying to follow the trends, trying to fit in, trying not to stand out or to be yes. seen. Yes. Um, for the first, you know, nearly 20 years, if not longer of our life and have to break through that and to want to be seen and knowing that we need to be seen. Um, you know, what was it like perhaps for you Denise, like for you to kind of go through that barrier, or did you have a challenge like that for you growing up? You know, we all do to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, they could be traumatic. They don't have to be traumatic, but they could be equally as oppressive. Where are you from originally? Where's your family from? Um, so I was born and raised in Beijing, China. I came here when I was 17. So it was a, such a tremendous change yes. for me. Yes, yes. Yes. And see, the thing I like to empower people with is the knowledge that you don't have to give up those first 17 years of your life. A lot of times you feel that that's then, this is now, I was there, I'm here now, I'm an American now, and I have to subscribe to American culture, American way of being. But I say, I think the choice should be up to you. You should choose how much, how little you incorporate into your daily life, how much, how little you keep from your past and incorporate into your daily life. That choice should be yours and not stipulated by society. And that's the, that is the, the, the platform that I stand on. That is my, uh, um, my, my way of, of, of bringing this sense of confidence to people. Uh, I, I stand on it. I stand by it because we are so busy trying to say what we don't have, what we need, what we should be. And I'm here to say, embrace who we are. Mm-hmm. Carry who we are into the new narrative, into the new paradigm. Carry that. And if anything is distracting to the narrative, of course, you're going to want to put it aside or find a way to correct it if it, if it takes away from the narrative. But if it doesn't, you're a wonderful Chinese-American woman. And the Chinese is just as important as the American. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm saying. We're multi-hyphenated people. Mm-hmm. I'm an African-American woman. I'm an artist. I'm a mother. Uh, I grew up in the, in the Black Baptist Church, which had a huge influence in my life. That's where I started in the arts, was in the church. Mm-hmm. And singing in the choir, uh, performing plays, you know, for, for Sunday school. These kinds of things are, are instrumental and, and so important to the whole holistic Uh, a a being of who we are. And we should never deny it. We should never deny it. And we should incorporate it. Mm. To embrace our origin, our heritage is something that I feel like uh, I started doing more and more since towards my late 20s and definitely after I turned 30. Mm. Liberation of finding myself and and prior to us going live, Denise, you talked about that a lot of your audience currently are women, uh, women of color, not exclusively to just African-Americans, but you notice, you know, they're immigrant women. Um, so tell us about that, because as we're talking, I'm just seeing like a, this flood of comments, which I'm going to overlay real quick. Oh, great. Um, yeah. So, oh, wow. I can I can only display comments that are that have happened, but um, I am showing some of the comments here. Thank you so much. Uh, just to let Denise know that, you know, people are listening, people are watching and this Thank is Thank you. So it's so wonderful. important. It's so important because mm-hmm. our voices are, are, are everything. We live in a society that promotes how we look. Mm-hmm. how we present ourselves, the visual. And we really don't talk about the audio, what people are getting from 
from you, what we're putting out into the world. Voice is vibration. Guys, that's all voice is, is vibration. It's breath that has passed through the vocal cords, the vocal folds, causing them to vibrate. And that vibration causes sound. And it's it's no coincidence that people, when people say, I get a good vibe from her, I get a good vibe from him, it's vibration. And so that vibe, that vibration, that vocal vibration is so important so that people see you, not just, not just see you physically, but they hear you so that they can then see you in your totality. That's the goal. And so um, it, it's, it's imperative that we bring our narrative. How much of it or how little of it is up to you. But it's imperative that we bring our, our narrative in a very authentic way to the conversation. We have a responsibility to redirect the conversation, which is steeped in tropes and, and preconceived notions of what certain people look like and sound like. It's upon it's 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 our responsibility to redirect, re-navigate that conversation. And that's what I want to be on the forefront of. I want to re re-navigate how people sound as being good <laughs> or bad. What is good? What is bad? Let's talk about that. Yeah. What is good speech? What is bad speech? I have taken standard American speech out of my vocabulary completely because I asked when I was a student at Juilliard years ago, decades ago, actually, I asked, well, whose standard are we judging by? It's a, it's a standard? Whose standard? Because we're Americans and the whole point of Americans, it's a melting pot. We don't all look alike. So why should we all sound alike? Mm-hmm. Mm. And, mm. and I love how you talk about, you know, finding your voice, finding your narrative. And also it is kind of a, a process driven. There is, you have to internalize and, and there's, but there's, there's a process, which I really love. And you give us these tools where any one of us can pick up the book. And I love the fact that you don't have to be an actor, actress to do this, but. Absolutely. You know, how do you, Denise, how do you, tell a woman 25, 35 to say, you know, you need to find your narrative. Like, what is that process like? How can somebody exercise something today while watching this shortly after in the interview? What what can they do to embrace that? Well, the basis of this work stands on one goal of mine, and that is to give people confidence. I say the power of voice to be empowered, but in order to be empowered, you have to be confident. And the first step to becoming confident is to become proficient at something. I'm confident at this because I have years and years and years of working at it. Tried, tested, proven true clients who are very famous and clients who are everyday people. So I have really gotten a wonderful set of tools under my belt because and have become proficient because I put in the work. And that's what I implore you to do, to put in the work, to start, first of all, by saying, I need to educate myself in this regard. The the simple fact that you're not using your voice to its fullest is because you don't know how. No one has ever, ever put that demand on you. The only thing you probably have heard in a a negative way is probably someone saying, "Mm, your voice isn't quite what we thought it should be, or your accent may be too thick, or, you know, you hear the negative connotations, but nobody ever says what you can do to, to really broaden your vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And mind you guys, I am very, very judicious with the language I use around this subject. I try not to say bad, good, right, wrong. I try not to, because what I want you to understand is that it's a broadening of of the context. It's a broadening of what you already have. I say you have an eight, a box of eight crayons. Okay, you've got a box of eight. What I'm giving you is a box of 64. I'm giving you five shades of green, four shades of blue, seven shades of red, so that you have more to add to your palette. And so so where you start first is becoming educated, saying, I just want more information. I just need to know. I've got this instrument 
which our voices are instruments. I've got this instrument and I don't quite know how to effectively use it to its best. I'm using it because I have to, but I'm just using, I'm just getting by. I'm using this much, this much of my vocal range where I can use so much more if I'm shown how to do it. And so I have a five pronged um, principle upon which I, I allow all of this work to come to fruition. And the first is relaxation. You must start with a relaxed instrument before you even start breathing, before you start speaking. You need to send attention to your head, to the neck and shoulders. And as I'm doing this, thank you. Thank you, sweetheart, for doing it with me. Do it with me. We yeah. start with just making sure that the, that the instrument is relaxed, that the chest is wide, that you're lengthening through the spine, that you're creating this wonderful massive space in your body for the sound once we produce the sound to resonate. To, to, to really, really feel this wonderful sense of power because I want you to think of a cello. I want you to think of the, the sound that resonates in the body of a cello because that's where the power is going to be amplified. But so we want to relax that. We want to relax the chest. We want to relax the chest cavity. We want to relax the head. We want to stroke open the jaw. Mm-hmm. Mm, feels so good. It, doesn't it feel good? Yeah. And then we want to massage the face. I know a lot of people don't like to do this with their faces, but make sure that that the facial muscles are relaxed, the jaw is relaxed. Mm-hmm. And then the tongue, the articulators. Mm-hmm. Tongue out. Oh, I, I never exercised that way mm, Tongue out and in. And chewing. So these are the beginning. This is step one. Step one, again, is relaxation. Step two, once we're relaxed, breathing. I say breath is to the voice what gasoline is to a car. If you have no gas in your car, your car goes nowhere, folks. Remember that. The same thing holds true for breath and voice. If you have no breath, you have no voice. And we must breathe in a deep diaphragmatic way, deep rib diaphragmatic way. And every time we speak, believe it or not, we breathe in through the mouth. Mm. Now, clearly, we don't breathe in through the mouth when we're just sitting neutrally and not speaking. We're breathing in and out through the nose. But when we speak, like I just did, You must take an inaudible breath in through the mouth. That's what opens up the orifice. It opens up this wonderful space in the back of the throat. It sort of sets you up for the voice to be released out. If you breathe in through these small holes, now I have to open up my mouth to speak. Mm. If I breathe in through my mouth, I'm already in the ready position, ready to speak. And so I want you to think of a deep breath in and voice out. The wonderful thing about breath, my friends, is that it is the source to your wellspring of emotions. It really allows you to go deep, not just deep in the breathing, but deeply into your emotional life. There's a reason why we don't breathe. There are several reasons why we don't breathe, actually. And the first being that we've been conditioned from the time we were children, not to breathe. Have you ever heard suck it up? Suck it up, put your big, put your big girl pants on and go in that meeting, suck it up. When we mm-hmm. suck it up, that means we're not breathing. Or how about boys don't cry? Boys, yeah. uh, don't you, uh, uh, you know, are those tears I'm seeing? Because that sheer act of emotion and releasing the emotion when someone says, don't release it, hold it. It's not like you're not having it, you're just, stuffing it. And when we stuff it, we don't breathe. And the more we breathe, the more we release it. We release the emotion. We release our authenticity. We release ourselves. So breath is so important. That's the second thing. And then voice. As I said before, voice travels through I mean, I'm sorry, breath travels through the, the, um, the, the larynx the voice box, and then causes the vocal folds to vibrate. And once they do, that breath turns to voice. That breath turns to vibration. If we don't have any breath to start, we have no voice. Mm 
And so once we're relaxed and we take a really, really good, deep, supported breath, Mm -hmm. we then allow the voice to release out and to release out and fill the space between you and your listeners. A lot of times our voices are trapped back here for whatever reason because we're just too full. We don't want to be heard. We don't want to seem like, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to be cool. What you want is breath in, voice out so that it covers the space. It's gracious. It's a gift that you're giving between you and your listener. And then we have articulation. And articulation is then how we shape that sound. Once we release the voice, and it's sounding beautifully, how do we shape that to to create a thought, to create words, to create sounds of speech that then make words? And then we put those words together to create a thought. And so we want the articulators to be agile, to be limber, so that you're able to to really just articulate um, not just a thought, but an emotion. And so how we do that is I do exercises. I do articulation exercises. I do nursery rhymes. Peter Piper, the pickled pepper picker, picked a peck of pickled peppers, just to make sure that it's what scales are to a musician, actually, just to make sure that the articulators are limber. So after articulation, number five is communication. How do I communicate a thought so that people will know what I'm saying? How do I communicate a thought so that people will know what I'm saying. The reason why I'm choosing and picking those wonderful words up out are because they're verbs and nouns. The nouns tell you the story, okay? People, how do people know what I'm saying? Verbs tell you the action in the story. So verbs and nouns are your friends. Be aware of the usage, verb, of a noun. Okay, because you don't want your voice to be uh, to flatline and become monotonous. When you pick the verb up, when you pick the noun up out of the out of the rest of the words, you really start having more more depth, more variety, more more expression in your voice on the operative important words. Mm-hmm. Mm. I absolutely love it. I had to kind of spotlight you as you're going through. Thank you. Well, you know, I want people to be able to take something away. I have a client who I um, started working with. She booked months ago, but her job became really um, very, very hectic and she couldn't start for a while. And I said to her, read the book. And then when you're ready, we'll start. She read the book. And those of you who've read it know that there's an exercise at the beginning of the book that I repeat at the end. I give you a piece of copy and I request that you record yourself at the beginning of the read. At the end of the read, you must record the same piece. And this woman emailed me two days before she started work. She had finished the book. She recorded herself at the beginning. She recorded herself at the end. And she said, and Denise, I did not do one exercise. I am going to confess. I didn't do a single exercise. I just read the book. I listened to the first, the first recording. And then I listened to the second recording. And I started crying. I couldn't believe it. She couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And she said, I didn't do a single exercise. This is just what knowledge, that's what I'm, I'm telling you. When no one tells you this, these things, my graduate students used to say, how come I wasn't taught this in elementary school? How come no one taught me phonetically? You know, they taught me grammar, but they didn't teach me phonetics, the sounds and the power of the sounds of speech. So once you become educated and once you have a knowledge of it, you can use as much or as little as you'd like. It's, it's liberating. It really is. Wow. Mm. Incredible stories. And, you know, the, even though this interview itself, it's only 45, 50 minutes, but the book I have read, I'm not finished yet. I can't wait to, I mean, and it just wonderful. I'm going to record myself as simple as uh, on my iPhone and finish the book and see how I sound towards oh, the end. Must. You absolutely wow. must, must do yourselves a favor. You must 
start because you have a start. It's, it's, you know, come on, let's face it, folks. You know, when we start on a, on a weight loss journey, we, we get on that scale just so that we can chronicle the progress. Well, it's the same here. And I, I think I, I, I think I do have you check in midway and record again. I have three times of recording, but based on what this woman did, and she did the beginning and end, I would say wait so that you can really see the difference between the beginning and the end. It was fantastic. It was fascinating. Yeah. And she's not an actress. She's a social worker. Wow. Isn't that incredible? I'm going to show some comments here from Cheryl. Love your book. Cannot put it down. Thank you so much. Thank you, Cheryl. Yeah. And then, um, uh, yeah. Is it uh, Venice? Venus? Uh, thank you. Or reading the power of voice, using it to speak it clearly. And this is huge of women kind of just coming in, sharing the feedback uh, via live stream. And I think, Denise, honestly, we're all kind of find your career really fascinating because you also have access to the world of Hollywood. And for me, you know, for the, you know, for us audience, we watch these people um, to go through their kind of their pattern and then trying to put themselves in a character that can be so sophisticated with different accents. And then as I'm reading the book, I'm thinking, wait a minute, I just read someone trying to learn the Southern accent from Denise, and yet Denise grew up in New York City. So how are you able to not only pick up different accents, know the differences, and then teach someone else how to do the same? How does that work? Excellent question. Excellent question. Um, I've been blessed to work with some of the most incredible artists on the planet. And the one thing I can say, I like to share their process with everyday people. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, first of all, and it just came to mind because Mahershala Ali told me one day when I asked him, I said, Mahershala, what's your process when you're crafting a character? And Mahershala said, Denise, the first thing I ask myself about every character that I play, the first question is, what is their spiritual journey? I start there. He said, even if they don't have one, even if they're an atheist, and that's a spiritual journey as well, they just, they're an atheist. I ask that question. And so the reason why I share that is because I get these wonderful gems and nuggets from these amazing artists who also happen to be amazing people because they are not just gifted at a particular, you know, innate talent that God has given them, but they are craftsmen. They work tirelessly at the craft of acting. And then they elicit community and people around them to help with aspects of the craft that they not they may not be proficient in and so they they have a wonderful group of community and they use the same people all the time it becomes a family when when they go when they they are employed uh, employed with the task of 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 developing a character but they're not only great craftsmen and work tirelessly and are absolutely brilliant. Any of these actors could, could, could have been lawyers or doctors or engineers. They're Renaissance people, but they're also humanitarians. Mm-hmm. They have the biggest hearts and a lot of them do it anonymously. And so that you don't know, but when I know, and I'm in the inner circle, I try to find that, that through line, that what makes these people great kind of question. And I'm sitting back taking notes for all of my friends to say, girl, did you know that he not only does this, but he does that? And they're, they're blown away. And so that's what I'm sharing. What I see is this humanitarian, this love of, uh, of, of people and behavior and the ability to give. To the, the, the ability to give to society. And what allows me to come in and to break it down to these wonderful people, a dialect, because I didn't grow up in the South, although, although my parents did. 
Mm-hmm. And or or if I'm doing a dialect from another country, um, I I don't I know nothing about this this country or culture. I am the queen of research. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. I go down a rabbit hole and stay there and then just go here and there and oh my gosh and find things that I can't use now, but I tuck them away for when I can use the dialect. I just love the answers to why people sound the way they sound. And it's so many, there's so many reasons. You could sound, a group of people can sound a particular way simply based on the weather. Yes, the weather. When it's cold, in a cold climate, people typically, their jaws are tight because their jaws are clenched, they're cold. And in a Southern climate, when the weather is warm, it's really laid back and slow because there's no rush. You get too hot. You can't rush. <laughs> so yeah, it's wonderful. It's 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 great. It's anthropology. It's 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 these cultural nuances that that affect a group of people simply because of 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 outside external circumstances, and it affects the way they talk. So that's one way, but I also know the International Phonetic Alphabet. There is a symbol for every sound of speech, just the way there's a musical note. They're not letters. They're not letters. They're phonetic symbols. And so I have uh, uh, learned it. Uh, I learned it when, when I was a student at Juilliard in the 70s, and I have always been um, uh, proficient with, with sound and music and musicality and rhythm because I sang with the New York City Opera when I was 12. I was an opera singer before I was an actress. And so all of my musical training lended itself to my acting training, which then lent all of that to my being a vocal dialect coach because I hear music in language. I hear the rhythm. I know I have become sort of the the, the go-to person in Hollywood because you know how when you're at a weight loss process in your life and it's hard to lose those last 10 pounds? I was the go-to person that Denise will get those last 10 pounds off of your speech or put it onto your speech. I was, I know in the 11th hour what the speech needs because of my ear. It's really all about my ear that I've developed. And you can develop it too. You can develop it. And a lot of people already have because a lot of people imitate accents, Mm -hmm. which is what we did at my table when we came home for church from church on Sunday afternoon. We would imitate all of the people in church. My mother was a great mimic. And, 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 and that's where I got it from. And so developing your ear, just listening to how people sound and where, where could they possibly be from? And then ask them, you know, in a loving way, you know, as opposed to in a, in a, in a kind of arrogant way of your accent is disturbing. You know, I'm better than you are because you're speaking English with that thick accent. No, flip it around. You ask them because it's a beautiful, it's, it's a beautiful way of speaking the language. I often do this when I'm on the phone with telemarketers or not telemarketers, but because I'm never on the phone with telemarketers, trust me. But, but if I call customer service and I get someone who has an accent, I immediately engage with them. And at the end, I tell them that I really, really love your accent and it makes them feel so good. Um, so I know I'm going off on tangents, but it's all related to an ear to how I'm able to do what I do at this level, because it started out as a love for the differences in the way people spoke and the different genres of music. I love jazz. I love gospel. I love opera. And so as we open up our minds and listen to different genres and to the different ways that people speak in a loving way, you too will develop your ear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you know, you, you kind of took us down to like so many different imaginations. One thing I noticed as I was filming my documentary in 2018, I was traveling from Boston to New York to um, LA, Vegas. I noticed that 
we purposely, first of all, wanted to make sure there's diversity uh, in the the cast, in the people I was interviewing. Yes. But then, you know, it, I we immediately realized, not just myself, but also my producers and um, my assistants realized the beauty of different accents. And we together as a together as a team, we really appreciated that so much. Uh, you know, for example, one person that comes to mind, Basila Bukoka, who also lives in New York City, and she was born and raised. She was she's of um, African descent, but she grew mm. up in Spain, and she has the most beautiful oh. Spanish accent. As she was speaking, we didn't w- want any of that to change. So, for people who are watching this, no matter where you're from, other parts in the U.S. or worldwide, uh, I know a lot of my audience is quite international. Absolutely. So Right. Don't feel ashamed of our accent because I certainly did for the, I didn't have too much of an accent when I came here, but I did. I remember just like, you know, whenever I said something wrong or people corrected me in a very straightforward way, I know that they're trying to help me, but it just like literally that feel like somebody just punched me in the gut. Like actually, um, but don't feel that way. Yeah. I mean, even, even a girl growing up in New York city, you know, with, with, I didn't have a thick New York accent, but I had a New York accent. I talked, I talked like this. My cousins talk like this. We have New York accents. And of course I went to Juilliard with a New York accent and I was in Juilliard in the first couple of years of Juilliard. I was made to feel less than, you know, it wasn't overt. It was, it was, it was subtle, but it was, it was an elitist approach to language Mm-hmm. And I, I really, I, there's no place for it. There is no place for it. We should embrace it all. And, and, and see, that's the thing. You know, most Americans, and it's proven, most Americans only speak one lang- language. Two, if we're lucky. Yeah. And I deal with people who speak three and four language. English is their third or fourth language, folks. So how dare I? come in at, with this elitist, you know, attitude toward the way they're speaking English. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's just, I think we have to redirect the narrative again. We have to embrace it. We have to um, cultivate uh, a society where we're more inclusive, not just in how we look in our cultural uh, um, backgrounds, but how we identify that's that's what I'm I'm such a proponent of, you know, my identity. So so I am uh, this 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 West African woman who speaks probably five languages, I would say, who grew up in Spain. I know people who speak Italian, Spanish, Portuguese and Arabic, you know, um, and English. It, it's just it's phenomenal. And I think we need to open up our minds and embrace it all. Mm. Yeah. And this is why your message resonated, you know, really your book and your message resonated with so many people. And, and, you know, this is, I want to show you another comment. And, okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. It's, it's so lovely to see these things and for me to read the book and then read the comments now. Um, but I, I want to kind of just Take us to a little corner here because I feel like in our imagination, we wanted to know you're helping people, Denise. You're a coach. You're working right now with people who can find your website and, and actually, you know, to be able to engage with you as a consultant, as a coach. And that's such a privilege. And at the same time, you've helped so many very elitist, you know, actors, top build actors. And what do you have to do as a consultant, as you know, during the, the film or production process, have to pull someone to the side to say, you know, your accent was a little off. You started to really sound like you're from New York again. Remember, you're supposed from the South. I mean, how do you work with these folks? Um, again, excellent <laughs> question. Again, you can't tell someone what they're not doing mm. when they're doing it. Because that's almost that's almost like saying, um, folks, do not think of the color red. Don't think of red now. Don't think of red. Guess what? You're thinking red. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. <laughs> and your blouse, exactly. They're, they're seeing red. And I said, don't think of red. And so all you can think of now is red. Right. So what I do, and I implore you to engage your imagination. I use the power of imagery. Mm. 
If someone is falling back into um, the rhythm that is not the rhythm of the character, I will use an, an image that will get them back to where they want to be. For instance, I'm just going to throw this out because I do it. I do it on the spot. It, it's it's really my gift. It's and I'm blessed and I'm grateful for it. Um, I just, I, I know what to say and how to say it on the spot that will not shut the actor down, but will, will encourage the actor to go to the next, to the next step. And that is the imagination. So if in fact the actor is slipping back in, out, is slipping out of the Southern accent, let's say Savannah, what I will do is I will go in and say, okay, so where are you? And they would say, I'm, I'm on the bluff right near the water. I go, do you see the trees? What are the, what do the trees look like? Tell me, show me, just get, give me some colors of the, uh, give me some colors of the landscape. I get them to see pictures. I get them to smell. It's a sensorial sensation. It's a sensorial exercise. I get them to hear, what are you hearing? Are you hearing birds? Yeah, I'm hearing birds. Where are you? Uh, I, I'm sitting by what? Who's on the water? Is there a boat on the water? To get them into the specificity of images that really elicit and bring the technique to the fore. Guys, and I implore you, it's all about the pictures that you see. You can't say, don't think of red. What I want you to do, though, is when, I, for instance, if I say the word B-L-U-E, B-L-U-E, I don't want you to see letters. I want you to see a sky. I want you to see an ocean. I want you to see that blue, wonderful color behind Faye um, and, 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 and see, see it. Put a picture on everything that you say because it will give it life it will give it it, it makes it palpable it makes it uh, not palpable palpable is the word it makes it palpable it makes it rich um yeah images use your imagination i was on the uh i, I you all know this i was on the faculty at juilliard i was the first african-american woman asked to join the faculty in the drama division in 1992 and they since have called me back to join the audition circuit. So we take 20 students in the drama division every year out of the thousands that apply. And people ask me, what is it? What is that one thing that you see in a student, in 20 students that you don't see in the other thousands? And this is what I tell them. It's the ability for those kids to use their imaginations in a childlike way. And that means no rules. Children have no rules. They think outside the box. They just go for it. And so that's what I implore you guys to do, to go for it, to see it, to see it and believe it. Even in the boardroom, in the boardroom, in a Zoom meeting, see, just see beyond those boxes. See beyond, beyond the green dot where you're speaking into the camera, where you're speaking. See it. Envision all of, of, of the stories that you're, not, that you're not only talking about, but what you're listening to. Because that brings me to another point. Listening is just as, if not more, important than speaking. I think my my next book should be not the power of voice, but the power of listening, <laughs> the power oh, of yeah. hearing, the power of receiving, the power of being still and quiet and breathing and ingesting the information that you're receiving. It is so important. I talk about this in my book because I believe that the political landscape that we're currently in, everybody's talking and no one's listening. And just because I don't agree with you doesn't mean that I receive what you're saying. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I, we've sure. got to receive it. We've got to pause. We have to keep that space, that energy for the pause, the rest in music. Miles Davis said that the rest in music is more important than the note. Mm. Yeah, okay. there was a 
are difficult to manage. Yeah. And most people feel that they can't take the time to pause. I can't take the time to stop because I have to really encourage people to breathe or to remind them you're not breathing. And they go, Denise, I just don't have time. Yes, you do. Because just as you need that breath, your listener needs the breath too. It gives them permission to breathe. Mm -hmm. So this is what I do on set. And then when I work with people, you know, several times, we get a language that we develop and, you know, and I'll just go in and, and, and have a word, you know, just that one word that becomes our single word. But it all starts with the imagination. Yeah. And it's so helpful because I feel like the techniques that you just described in envisioning, I was already trying to, the moment you start doing that, I put myself in the situation and realized to look at the image and kind of to imagine where I'm not currently at and it's still possible. And for people yes. who are watching, listening, you may not be able to have Denise on your side every any given moment, but if you're preparing for a presentation, like Denise said, no matter how small, how big, you can actually put yourself and just visualize it. For example, before you go give a keynote speech and you're feeling incredibly nervous, you could imagine yourself, you know, I don't know, in the middle of the Amazon looking, looking over uh, the ocean and that is really deep and practice your voice and changing Absolutely. your posture. Um, I already saw the difference. Yeah. That, that, that is, that is the ability to use your imagination for relaxation purposes. And they really work folks. Those relaxation exercises that elicit you to take yourself out of the place that you're currently in and put yourself into another place completely. It really, really does work. But I also say, in addition to everything that I've shared, and I'm sure some of you are taking notes, and if you're not, I'm sure a lot of things will stick with you. But I want us to be intentional when we start out our day for because it really gives an edge of power to the voice. You're not just going through your day nilly-willy. We are intentional. I intentionally put this blue on today because, and now that I see it's not even in the camera frame, but I can see it. It makes, it pops, you know? So I intentionally chose this and these, these earrings. It was intention that made me um, put these clothes on today. I want you all, you all to use the same goal, the same intention when you speak. Okay, so this is what I mean. My intention when I came on, I wanted to inspire that person in this audience for whom voice has always been a, a, a source of, of, of disdain, insecurity. My goal when I came on was to say, I want to inspire. I used a verb. I could have said educate. I could have said empowered. I said inspired because I knew I only had 45 minutes to an hour. And if you're inspired, then you will be inspired to get the tools that you need to, to do this. But my, my voice was based on an objective, an intention which was to inspire my audience. And I want you to go through life with intention. Even if it's down to the whole foods, guys, I want you to be able to be intentional about what you do in life. Mm, that's such a great advice to set an intention. Um, oh my gosh, to start yes. a day and to love yourself, to, I think, self-care or, or take the pause. Maybe it's practicing a habit of today, I'm going to pause a little bit more and listen a little more. Yes. And I'm sure there are people out there who say like a lot, like, like, and it all depends on the generation. My generation doesn't do it nearly as much as my son's generation and younger, mm -hmm. or my generation does. Um, mm -hmm. um, I call these, or, you know, you know, I call these placeholders. They usually start out as a placeholder because you're looking for the next thought. You don't quite know what you're going to say next. And so instead of using an um or a you know, breathe. Take a breath. Yeah. So, so breathing never becomes distracting. 
you knows and ums and likes do. So put a put you know, something that started off as a placeholder now has become a habit. And it can be a distraction. And as I said, the basis of this work is to be able to tell a narrative, yours and others, or it may your narrative may be fraught with, with data in a meeting, but to be able to share the narrative without distractions. That's what we want. Without distractions, because the story is the star, not your quirks. The story is the star. Right. And so lovely to chat with you. I can't believe this is our first conversation. I feel like we've known each other for 20 years. I know. It feels so comfortable. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Denise. And I want to respect your time since we have a little less than 10 minutes left. Um, I I do want to ask um, uh, one last question. And for people who are still watching right now, feel free to drop your questions. We can actually see them. We might not be able to get to all of them. I'll find a way. Um, Mm -hmm. But we'll cherry pick a few of those. And but my my final question would be, you you know you grew up in the project. You um, I believe your mom was a single mom. You have a sister as well. You have other very important women in your life. And now look at you. You've to every in every aspect of things. You've made it. You've published a book. You know you've spoken worldwide. You've worked in Hollywood with these top build actors. Um, what in kind of in retrospect, um, what would be an advice you would be, you know, you would want to give to a younger self and what have you mm-hmm. learned that many people feel like they wish they knew. Um, now they're kind of in trenches. I had, I, I was blessed. My, my father passed away when I was five. And so my, and my mom was just 27 years old and she had these two little girls to raise and she did an exemplary job of it. She kept us in the church and in the arts and education was was key because she's an educator. She worked in my elementary school. And so I had these amazing women in my in my in, in, in my community, uh, in my family. My aunt, mm-hmm. my aunt owned Sylvia's restaurant in Harlem. My aunt Sylvia is Sylvia Woods of Sylvia's restaurant in Harlem. And so I had amazing role models. I I saw it. I was able to see what hard work yielded. Um, I was able to see what love and unconditional love meant. And so I was also able to and and encouraged to take risks. That's the one thing I want to leave. There are two things actually, and I'll start with risk-taking. I took bigger risks than the generation before me. I think my Aunt Sylvia was a huge risk taker and she did things of her generation that that were not done. My mom was a huge risk taker, but I kind of pushed the envelope even further. And I like to say that I have the skid marks on my butt to prove it. (laughs) Because when you jump, jump and the bet will appear. Sometimes it doesn't. It just doesn't. Mm-hmm. And then what you do is you brush yourself off and you get back in the game. And a lot of people, when they when that net doesn't appear and they fall hard on their bums, they say, that's it. I'm done. And I was always the person that said, Mm-mm, I ain't done yet because I'm 63 years old. And this is my best life right now. When people are winding down and heading toward retirement, I am just winding up. This is the best life ever because I took a risk because, and this is the second thing that I want to share, because I knew I had a gift. I just knew that I had a gift that I was giving Hollywood and certain actors, and I say this with all humility because that's what it is. It's a gift. It's a gift that I've been given. And when we don't share our gifts, when we don't put it out there, we are shortchanging ourselves. We are really, you know, telling the universe, God, who gifted us with this gift, that they really aren't that important. And yes, they are. 
And that's what I say about the voice. I want you to think of your voice as a gift that you are giving your listeners. Because when you're giving a gift to someone, you're not nervous. So how do I deal with the nerves when I have a presentation? Yes, we use our imaginations. Yes, we can do relaxation exercises. But the basis of this, I want you to think of yourself as a gift. And as the expert in what you're giving, because someone could possibly say it better. Someone might know more about the subject matter than you do, but nobody can say it like you because there are no two voices alike. Voice prints are like fingerprints, my, my friends. No two sets of fingerprints are the same. No two voices are the same. And your unique voice is your gift. And when you give that gift to the world, you are doing what you were meant to do on this planet. And so how could you be nervous about doing that? How could you be nervous when you're giving a gift to someone? Are you nervous when you give a loved one a gift for Christmas that you've painstakingly taken time to, 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 to find the right place to buy the gift, to package it up perfectly and then to, to insert the perfect card to say everything you mean. No, you're doing it from a place of love and from a place of gratitude. And that's what I want you to do when you use your voice. I want you to give that gift from a place of love and gratitude, be it on a date. Mm -hmm. That's right. I said a date. <laughs> <laughs> be it in the boardroom a keynote speaker at 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 um, uh, at a reunion. How about that? A class reunion, a twentieth twenty fifth class reunion, and you're the keynote speaker. How about that? <laughs> from a gift of love, from a place of love, a gift. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. It's a very. It's almost like meditation. Um, just being able to process that. And thank you so much, Denise, for sharing this lovely, lovely conversation with thank all of you. us. It's my pleasure. It really, really is. I feel, and you know, it's so interesting. I can feel the energy from your viewers. I feel you. I really, really do. And I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. I, I see the questions in the box, but I feel your energy and, and thank you for giving it to me, sharing yeah. it with you. Thank you. Absolutely. As a reminder for people, this is the book, you know, Power of Voice by Denise Woods. And um, what a privilege. So thank you thank so you. much. Well, they can also find me at Speak It Clearly. Go Everywhere. To, I'm, I'm at Speak It Clearly. Instagram, Twitter, uh, speakitclearly.com is my website. Uh, Facebook, I am Speak It Clearly. <laughs> Yay. Thank you so much. All the links are also included uh, for Denise. If you want to learn more about her, I'm going to take us offline now. Thank you so much for Thank checking you. out this world. This episode of the Face World podcast is brought to you by Face World LLC, our marketing service agency created for independent creators and businesses. We offer website development, video production, marketing mentorship, to people who want to tell better stories, level up, and create a profitable brand. Face World Podcast team, our chief editor and producer, Herman Ceballos, associate producer, Adam Leffert, social media and content manager, Rose DeLeon, transcript editor, Alina Ahmedova, and lastly, myself, the creator and host of Face World. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>